Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Uh, Welcome back uh, from your week away, Colin. You missed so much. I know. You missed some great guests on the show. You missed some conference realignment. Um, You missed us on the SFB Podathon. Well, I was was around for that. I listened. Um, You missed missed so much. You guys did a great job on that, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. I put a lot of makeup on for it. Um, Yeah, you usually have to. Funny story about that show. So I um, thought I could sneak a workout in right before it and then shower real quick. (laughs) Um, But it's just so warm here this weekend. It was like high 80s. I know like the people in the South are laughing at that or Texas. Um, I could like I took the shower and stuff and I still couldn't stop sweating. I was so sweaty on there. I was like, oh, God <laughs> damn. It. So I didn't I, notice. If that makes it was my better. big break and I blew it because I was so sweaty. Um, so that was fun. Um, yeah, SFB kicked off this week. So good luck to everybody out there uh, currently drafting. Uh, we're not going to talk about our drafts because there's very few things I like less than hearing people talk about a draft that they're currently in. Um, but I think we're just going to kind of get into this show, which guys we're kicking off our conference previews for the year. Uh, last year uh, we did uh, leading up to the season, 10 straight episodes, no Canton bound for the next five weeks or so as we lead up. We called the shows summer school last week. Uh, but Elliot had to be a dick and swoop in and uh, <laughs> steal our name. And since, you know, cover three is kind of a bigger deal. If you don't listen to the cover three podcast, um, it's a good podcast, but what's been really great this summer is that Bud Elliott has been doing these these uh, team by team breakdowns. So if you you haven't listened to those, uh, Bud Elliott with twenty four seven Sports, go go and take a look at those. So we're retiring the name. We're just going to call them conference previews for now. But just know that we did summer school first. We did all of you. Just know that. That's all I ask of you. If you take nothing away from this show about the AAC, which is the first conference we're doing, take away the campus to Canton guys were first. On summer we school, were. we were. Yeah, you can go back, check the archives. There's receipts. Yes, yes. Um, I can prove it in court, which is where we'll see Bud Elliott. Um, Boom. Is is he a lawyer? I don't think so. Or somebody on that show was a lawyer by trade originally, I think. Well, someone on the show is currently a lawyer. So Boom. Um, well, it's not so- Danny Cannell. I know that. I know he was. <laughs> For people that don't like that, just makes it like you're like, oh, he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> I know that's not what you meant, but that was really fun. That's a good part. Um, yeah, guys. So we're talking AAC tonight. Um, not a lot of news, really, to be honest. Like we're just skipping that whole section. Uh, we're gonna do our AAC prep, and then for those that didn't listen to these episodes again last year, um, we do this little thing in the middle of it called a cram session, and it's usually a guest. But for the first episode of the year, just like we did last year, it's going to be Colin and I. And what these are is just three questions. It's asking a player that we believe will help their stock the most this year, a player that we believe will hurt their stock the most this year, and then one bold prediction for the season. So, yeah, Colin and I are going to are going to lead off here this episode with ours. And then each of the next nine episodes is going to have uh, some sort of guest who's literally on just for that part of the show. And then they just hop off. Um, so... And actually, since we don't have news at all today, like we're not going to talk conference realignment. That that horse has been beaten to death. Um, so we're just going to hop right into our cram session, actually. Um, we are part of the Fantasy Points Media Group. I should say that before we kick off here. Um, 
check everything out at Fantasy Points, the Fantasy Points Live group, a ton of great, great shows, all in one place at Fantasy Points Live on Twitter. Um, all right, Colin. So our first cram session, uh, these are these are supposed to be brief. Um, so let's get right into this. One player that we believe will help their stock the most this season. Go ahead. Uh, so the first one I have here, it's a little bit of a running joke uh, amongst a lot of people, but I do actually think he's going to have a, a much better year this year than what he's had in the past. That's Bo Nix, quarterback at Oregon now. Now, I know what you're thinking. Bo Nix, this is his year. He's looking good. He's having fun. Dark horse for candidate for Heisman. Um, but Oregon has so – Oregon starts off the season with Georgia. Don't think that game is going to go particularly well. Uh, I think Georgia's going to beat them fairly handily. Um, you know, not going to be a crazy blowout, but I, I don't think there's going to be much doubt in that one. But after that, Oregon's schedule gets a lot softer. Um, you know, they have a BYU in there who could be sneaky. Um, they have UCLA, another team that could be a little sneaky, but everybody else in there is meh. Um, so I think Oregon's going to have a really nice year this year. And then subsequently, I think Bo Nix is going to have a nice year this year. Um, you know, he's yet to throw for 3,000 pass yards. He's yet to throw for 20 touchdowns. I think he could hit both those numbers this year. He has some solid options in the receiving core. Um, Troy Franklin looked good this spring. Uh, they're moving uh, Seven McGee out wide, so he'll have a slot option too. They, they got some pieces there. And, you know, he kind of he gets out of Auburn, which was just not a great situation for him last year everything that was going on there much better situation here in oregon uh i think he'll have a nice year yeah i mean yeah you the weapons the line the conference isn't isn't terribly great and it does won't exist for much longer um so yeah i i think all those um is day one like could you see some nfl team falling for that and taking him day one <laughs> um they don't it, they shouldn't they would shouldn't. it absolutely get that out of the shock way me no, I would not be absolutely shocked about it. I mean, out of a lot of the quarterbacks here that people have been touting as first round 2023 guys, I think Bo Nix has a better chance than a lot of them. Given his recruiting pedigree, uh, he's played at two big schools. And man, when it looks good with Bo Nix, it looks good. When it looks bad, it also looks very bad. So I could see some team, you know, falling in love with the the good and saying, well, we can we can get that. We can polish this turd. It's a great way to put it. Um, so my guy, uh, a name that like just no one talks about anymore. Jabari Small, running back at Tennessee. I know I'm not like the 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 leader of the Jabari Small hype train. I believe uh, I want to say it's Chris K. It's one of the oh. burning the red shirt guys. Really okay. likes Jabari Small this year. Um, I think he said like, it's, ah, man, I was listening to an episode of theirs and I know he's talked about it on Twitter. Um, they're high on him. They think he'd have a very nice fantasy season. I don't necessarily disagree. I think, uh, Josh Heupel does, uh, rotate those running backs pretty hard though. So I think the upside is capped, uh, at a certain point, but Jabari small was our pick last year. You know, when everyone was saying this is a crowded backfield for, for everything that we get wrong on the show, Colin, and obviously we, we, we talk for three hours a week on a camera, like live. <laughs> um, we get things wrong. Um, no, we freaking nailed Tennessee last year. We freaking nailed Tennessee. We said the staff is going to want to try to go Milton, but it's going to be Hooker, and Hooker is going to be really good. 
And then we said, you know, Jalen Wright's not the guy I want. It's not, um, no, it, was, it was not Evans that I want. It's Jabari Small that I want. And Small was the best of the backs last year when he was there and has maintained value uh, throughout this offseason. Uh, so a pat on the back there uh, for us for nailing that. Um, but Small, like he's he's got good size. He's six foot. He's like 210. He's pretty explosive. He's a good athlete. Like, is he amazing at anything? Probably not, but I think he's shifty enough. I think he's sh- he's got good enough contact balance. He's strong enough. I think he's a solid enough receiver. Uh, might honestly be the best receiving back on that roster right now. That I think that he gets a good amount of touches in a Tennessee offense. It's going to be very explosive. Brings back a lot of the important skill guys, uh, including Hooker. Um, and I think he might stay. Like I think I honestly would rather have Jabari Small than Montrell Johnson on a roster. Whoa. Like, I think that the team is better. The situation is better. And I think the player might be better. Okay. So I don't necessarily I, I, disagree with yeah. the player being better and they'll run, they'll run a lot of plays. Um, so they might not be quite as run heavy, but they will run a lot of plays. Yeah, they will. I mean, we saw it last year. Um, even if they, even if they rotate the three backs, I still think he can do uh, decently well there. So uh, I think Jabari Small will be a guy that helps his stock a lot this year. And I think this time next year, he'll be a guy that I'm fading in drafts because his stock has risen too much. But I think this offseason, he's a pretty good value. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, Kevin Coleman is a guy that, who's uh, interested in Jabari Small as well. We were, okay. Yeah, we were chatting about that one day in the DM. So he'll be happy to hear that, that you're on the board. On board the Javari Small train, I am too. That's that's literally the first time Kevin Coleman and I have ever agreed on anything ever. So that's big. That's big. Yeah, Um, a friendship has been born. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm a big Javari Small fan too. I do think he leads that backfield there. I know a lot of people want to hype up Justin Williams, and I mean, why not? The dude is built like a brick shit house, and you know he's fast too, size speed guy, Um, but. I think Jabari Small is more talented running back. And Williams is going to be a freshman. You know, Tyon Evans is out the door. Jalen Wright's still there. But, yeah, I, I I don't see any reason why Jabari Small doesn't lead that backfield. I like that. Yeah. Um, so then one player that we see uh, be going the opposite direction. There's, there's what is it, entropy? Like something goes up, something's got to go down. Is that I'm not yes. that? I'm not that. Is that right? I'm pretty sure, yeah. I think the last science, yeah. science class I took was high school physics. So you're much more up to date on that than I am. <laughs> Science um, changes all the time. So yeah, it, it is does, an up to date yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. No, but that's one thing that I don't think changes ever. Or will okay. Change. Perfect. Um, that's, then, yeah. that's like a law. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, sure. I'm sure we have some physicist that listens to us. That's going we, to I know we message have and I welcome it. I welcome it. Thank you. Send us a message <laughs> telling us. Uh, what yeah. entropy is we would love that um, yeah no i know we have physicists who listen uh we somebody was having a physics debate in uh our discord the one day i remember it was it was um, a while ago but fun i remember it. there we go yeah. okay so yeah player stock down go ahead um jalen Berger, uh transferred to michigan state everybody kind of thought he was going to be the guy last year at uh wisconsin and i don't even know if he received a snap he did next to nothing in that first game. He did, and then Jalen Berger or um, Braylon Allen took over after week three, and never really never let the let the reins go. But you know, so he gets out. He goes to Michigan State. Everybody wants him to be the next Kenneth Walker. Uh, ever you know, they think he's going to start there. He's going to get the same workload that Walker did. 
you know, his ADP right now in June was 108, but his average ADP overall at our site is 69.9. That is way too high. I have not seen a place project him to be the starter yet. The Athletic projects it to be Jared Broussard, and then they have um, Jalen Berger listed as, you know, second. And then they also have um, Devion Prim and Harold Joyner, Elijah Collins, Jordan Simmons, a lot of bodies there, but I don't necessarily think Berger is better than any of those guys. And Davion Prim had a nice uh, spring. You know, we, we heard heard some rumblings about him looking good there. Wouldn't surprise me if he jumps him on that depth chart, but Phil Steele at the Athletic, or at um, his magazine has him listed fourth on that depth chart. I don't think anybody gets the Kenneth Walker treatment this year there. They have enough bodies there that are solid that I think they'll rotate them. Uh, I also think maybe they lean a little bit heavier on Peyton Thorne and Jaden Reed. But by this time next year, I think Jalen Berger will be an afterthought. Uh, and he will definitely not be going inside the top 70, inside the top 100. Uh, I, you're probably looking more at like 250 really went on a limb with your your selection huh hey he's being drafted inside the top 100 for us at our site okay inside the top 70 average adp 69.9 nice where's your average average adp of your guy uh i think it's higher than that it might be actually yeah because i have will levis oh it's not boom your face what idiot is taking jalen Berger over will levis Will Levis is way lower. What idiots taking either of them? Well, at least our, our audience is listening to us. Um, yeah, Will Levis. Like, it's this isn't even like a Will Levis is crap argument because I don't think he's crap. I just don't think he's like a great quarterback. I think he's a really nice round three kind of guy with the tools that he has. Um, but he's being mocked into that group right after Stroud and Young. Yeah. Like, you could choose any of those quarterbacks. That are, like, I don't think any of the quarterbacks that are currently being touted as like that third guy end up anywhere close to it. I think Tyler Van Dyke returns for a fourth season. I think Will Levis comes out, but goes like in the third round. Um, I don't think Jaron Hall does it. Uh, there's a couple different quarterbacks. It's actually really, really funny. Cause I do think like with a huge year, I think someone could fall in love with like a Clayton tune. I don't know if he has a great arm, but then that PFN article came out today and now I just don't look like an idiot. Um, so I'm not going to say that. I mean, when's the last time we saw a Daner Holgerson quarterback? I'm just really, saying, really I'm just saying, something. I think like, I like Devin Leary more than those guys. Mm. There, there's a bunch of court. I like Cameron rising more than those guys. Uh, I think Cam rising would be my pick as the guy to, to make a leap. Th there's, there's some guys out there. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's nowhere to go, but down for him. Unless he just absolutely lights it up this year, which Kentucky will be a good team. Uh, but I don't think it will be like, because of Will Levis, like they're not going to win 11 games and Will Levis carried them on his back. I think they have actually have a fairly well-rounded roster. They lose Wandale, but you bring in Tavion Robinson. You got, um, you know, they've recruited pretty well. They've got a bunch of four-star wide receivers on that roster. Now, even with Chris Rodriguez out, the backfield has some, some bodies there. Ramon Jefferson, um, that six, five kid that thinks he's going to play running back. They got some other, <laughs> Kossier smoke. Um, like they, they've got some talent there and, and they have a very, very weak schedule. Um, but I think Will Levis, like the people that are buying him as like a guy that can go day one in the NFL, I think that's going to be really, really hard for him to achieve. So I think the argument is there's nowhere to go for him but down about two rounds, and that's where he's going to fall. Yeah, you mean you uh, You said I went out on a limb. <clears throat> I don't think you did. I don't think yours is particularly spicy. 
But I have some bets with some very high profile people in this community that Will Levis doesn't go first round. So apparently it's not, you know, the standard thought. Fair enough. Fair enough. Speaking of spicy, though, charity bets, charity bets. Only that's all I ever do. Charity bet. Man, I just led you into the next segment. You just ignored it. Bold predictions. Yeah, I said. Speaking of spicy, let's get real spicy then. Spicy <laughs> meat, the ball. Um, that was terrible. That was um, that was bad. We got to get the vibe back. We've been off for a week. You're right. I've been off for a week. And then I'm gone next week. So, you know, what? Yeah. this is going to be a train wreck. Um, let's just let's just hang it up now. We'll see you guys in a month. Um, bold prediction. Go ahead real quick. And actually, do you, do you remember what your bold prediction was last year? Just to give people <laughs> some context. This isn't making fun of you. I don't remember what it okay. was. So. OK. Um, um, yeah, it was uh, DTR has a huge year and sneaks into the back half of the first. Hmm. You tried. Yeah. yeah. You tried. Um, he had a mine, nice year. Mine was that a non-quarterback won the Heisman again. And I said, if you put a gun to my head and made me choose, I would choose Tank Bigsby. Yeah. So yeah. um, we didn't get, did we get particularly close to, uh, well, Anderson yeah, got there. He was there. I kind of want to make that prediction again this year. Cause I think, I think it'll be really hard for Bryce Young to win it again. So you're looking I at think like it's Stroud. Stroud yeah. or like Caleb Williams, if he has a huge year or, like there, there's a couple other guys that I think could sneak in yeah. there. Um, maybe a Cameron Rising because my bold prediction is that Utah runs the table and makes the playoff. Is that Jump. bold? Cameron Jump. Rising could squeeze in there if they do that. Um, yeah. Their schedule is not that bad. They play Florida the opening week of the season. I think it's a great time to play Florida because I don't think yeah. they're gonna like. I, Florida's not gonna be awful. That can be an abject failure, but I definitely I think they're they're the kind of team where you want to play them earlier in the year and hope that they. They don't kind of figure out what the staff wants. After that, it's not a brutal schedule at all. They play USC on October 15th, and they have Oregon on November 19th. Now, last year, they were Oregon's daddy for the year. <laughs> they spanked them both times. Like, the kind of football that they play, just, like, those two teams are not equipped to stop what they do, which is just, like, ran the ball down your throat, multiple tight end sets, and all their tight ends are really good. And then they have enough athleticism at the wide receiver position to make you pay occasionally once you get caught sleeping. They're like those old Steelers teams from like the early 2000s. Like that is really what they are. Um, so so I think they run the table pretty like easily, such a relative word, fairly easily, make it to the playoff, and then get absolutely destroyed by who either Ohio State or, or Alabama. Them's the brinks. But yeah. they're this year's candidate to do that, in my opinion. Okay. I like that. That's uh, that's that, that's that's bold. Yeah, um, I think it's a little bit more bold than mine. So I'm going to tweak mine a little bit. My okay. original one um, was Braylon Allen gets invited to the Heisman ceremony. I'm going to tweak it. I'm going to say Braylon Allen finishes top three in the Heisman voting. What's the most that they invite? Four? It's usually like four. Yeah. So Sometimes he's not the worst guy five. there. He's the second worst guy there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tweak it and make it more bold. Honestly, that makes it sound more weak. Really? You think? I, he's he's going to be top, top four three. and he ain't four, but he might be three. <laughs> Come on. All right. All right. Fair enough. Well, either way, I think Braylon Allen um, finishes third in the Heisman voting. Um, Behind Anderson and Stroud? Yes. Okay. Those would be my those would be my top two. Yeah, uh, I think Bryce Young will probably get invited too, but nobody's going to want to see him win again. I think so there's top your four. Two. 
Yeah, I think it's tough too. And especially like, I think it, we haven't quite hit this point yet. We tried to hit it with Ndamukong Su, but I don't think that was the right guy. Where like the, the Devonta Smith kind of won it because of this. Like it was like it's time for a non quarterback to win it again. Mm-hmm. And I think it like eventually, if Anderson starts off hot, the amount of it's time for a defensive player to win the Heisman again. I think that narrative ends up just fulfilling itself. Yeah, self fulfilling prophecy. Um, so anyway, you guys just got two bold predictions out of me for the price of one. Um, that will is. never happen again. Um, <laughs> anyway, Braylon Allen, I think will finish in the top three of the Heisman voting. Um, so Wisconsin's schedule is is weak. Uh, yeah, they have they start off the season with Illinois State, uh, then they get Washington State, who is I think at the end of the year going to be a ex- very explosive offense. Um, I think at the beginning of the year they might need to find their footing a little bit. Um, so that's not a bad time to catch them. Then they get New Mexico State. Then they do get Ohio State. So Ohio State, not an easy one. Probably going to lose that one. But the rest of their games, they're pretty weak. Um, Iowa, Nebraska, maybe Minnesota, Michigan State. But nobody you feel scared about. So I can very easily see Wisconsin being a two-loss team. You know, they lose one in there, but a two-loss team. And I think people jumped off of Wisconsin too early last year where they lost to Penn state in week one, which that was a good Penn state team. Um, you know, Penn state started off the year hot. Penn state started off the year hot. They were in the top four Clifford goes down and then they lose to Iowa. Don't give me that look. Um, and then Clifford was never the same after that, but that was a solid Penn state team. They also got Michigan. They lost to Michigan. That was a Michigan team that made the playoff. So those were two like, they lost two of their first three, but then they didn't lose again until they lost to um, Minnesota. But after the Michigan game is when Braylon Allen really took off. Uh, you know, he had that was after that he started getting double digit carries. He had seven hundred yard games in his last eight. The only one he didn't was against Michigan. I mean Minnesota. I think he's a candidate for fifteen to eighteen hundred yards rushing. Um, you know, probably looking at like. 15 to 18 touchdowns. So yeah. And if Wisconsin's a two loss team, I think he could be there. Um, sure. Why not? Um, yeah, they'll be solid. I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know what to say about them. They're just boring, boring old Wisconsin. They are. Um, all right, let's get into our AAC preview here. Um, buckle up. Go, use the restroom now if you haven't yet because um, we're going to be talking here for a little while. Um, so last year we did this, guys, where we kind of picked out like all the players from the conference and broke it into a couple different categories, like guys that we thought like we really wanted on our rosters, kind of some roster fillers, like some stashes, and then guys we were avoiding. We're going to go team by team this year. We got a couple comments that it was just a little more difficult to follow that way, kind of hopping around. Um, so we're going to just touch on each team alphabetically. Uh, and, and some different uh, fantasy-related storylines. We don't care who wins this division, although it's going to be Houston. Um, so let's just go AAC here. Cincy, Cincy is the top team, last year's champ, uh, finally broke through the the G5 glass ceiling, made it to the playoff, um, and then promptly looked like they didn't belong and set uh, that stuff back uh, for G5 team for years. Um, quarterback, I think is probably, well, they've got some big 
position battles of basically almost every position here. It, Prater v. Bryant's going to be the big one here. Um, that sounds like a, a law case. <laughs> Prater v. Bryant. Um, Evan Prater, who is basically Desmond Ritter. Like, they're very, very comparable players. Uh, and then Ben Bryant, who's crap. Uh, I don't understand what's going on with this coaching staff. They just saw that basically for you to make the playoff, you have to swing for the fences at every single position. Like, and they're going to go choose the guy that like led EMU to what, like three wins last year. He's not a good quarterback. He's very, very poor by all accounts in the spring game, which was not televised. Fuck you. Cincy um, <laughs> Prater was better. I, I don't know what's going on here. He just adds something to this offense that Brian can't. Um, I'm I like I still think this is a this is Prater's job. I'm I'm not necessarily buying. Like I know that they keep saying it's close, and it probably is fairly close. You know, it's not like ninety ten or anything. But I think this has been Prater's job for a little bit. Yeah, I I'm not really buying the Ben Bryant talk here either. Like if you can't cut it at EMU, are you really going to be able to cut it at Cincy? Like does does Ben Bryant really give them a chance to repeat as AAC champs? No. Does Prater? Yeah. I think Prater, the, the ceiling with Cincy is higher, much higher with Prater under center than it is with Ben Bryant. Now, I know Cincy's typically a more conservative team, so maybe that's where the appeal is with Ben Bryant, but it's not like he's like this safe quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over or anything. He's just not good. Um, we haven't really seen Prater in game action, but you know, when he was coming out, he was a dual threat guy, his big arm, electric. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is this is Prater, and everybody wants it to be Prater since he just needs to stop with the Ben Bryant talk. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it has to be. Like, he just the, – the team, I think, is really going to struggle with, with Bryant there. Like, does he know the offense? He was there before he went to EMU. Yeah, he probably does. But beyond that – that's a tough sell for me. Running back also has a big position battle, though. Um, you know, we were kind, it was kind of unclear who would be the guy there. It looked like Montgomery was going to be the guy that just like is there and someone has to have the job. Corey Kiner transferring in, though, I think kind of throws a wrench in that. I'm interested to see if he has been there long enough because he wasn't there for spring. If he's going to be there long enough to take that job over from day one further into the season. Or if it ends up just kind of being rotation, because it's a staff that is generally preferred a bell cow guy, um, but they also haven't like left it till the very end of the off season to figure it out before. So this is kind of uncharted territory here for these guys. Yeah, uh, I think we know that since he has a good history of running the ball well and the running backs producing pretty well um, from Michael Warren um, to Jared Dokes, to Jerome Ford last year. So the running back is somebody that you are definitely interested in on Cincy. And they start off the year with Arkansas week one. So not a great start to the season. That That's a, that's a tough matchup. But they get Kennesaw State week two, who's going to be a cupcake. I could see Corey Kiner really running all over Kennesaw State. And then the following week, start to really take over the carry. So I don't think week one will be it. Um, I'm thinking probably like week two. I do think Corey Kiner will take over that backfield early in the season though. Cause I just don't think Brian Montgomery's that, that good. Honestly. I mean, 
The only reason we were interested in him is because he's the only guy there. He's the only girl left at the bar. Somebody else just walked in. Not that you know anything about that. No, nothing. I am, okay. I am a happily engaged man. Um, yes. <laughs> and then <laughs> there's really not a lot else there. I mean, it's kind of like McClellan looked okay in spurts last year backing up. Uh, but if someone were to take that job, I think it's going to be Kiner. I think he's worth the upside buy. And he has at least two years left there. Mm-hmm. If he never even becomes a real, you know, quote, NFL type talent, I think, you know, you get three years out of him there in that offense that that that's pretty darn good, although they are moving conferences. So, you know, uh, maybe production might tail off a little bit. I mean, it, it's a system that you want the running back in um, wide receiver. We don't really care about any of these guys. I think no. at least at this point, if you're in a super deep league, I guess maybe it's worth picking through them. You know, Tyler Scott, Trey Tucker, Nick Martiner. Um, those are kind of the three guys you're probably going to be looking at, but I, I don't love any of those guys. Martiner came over from Hawaii and was moderately um, successful there. Uh, they run a lot of tight ends, though, and I think you know we've got Josh Wiley there, the returning. Um, he gets a lot of hype in draft circles. I don't really get it. He's really tall, not super filled out, though. He seems like a developmental guy that you take in like, the sixth round as an NFL team and then hope he kind of blossoms into like your tight end, too. But I do think the guy that has like legit NFL upside is Shimon Medier, who we've talked about a little bit on this podcast before. Um, like he's, he's six, five, two fifty two, one of the best athletes on their entire roster, uh, regardless of position, he's an athletic freak. That's the kind of guy you want to have it at a tight end. Like those are the guys that end up blossoming into anything in the NFL. So I would way rather have Medier. And I know the CFF guys will yell at me. I know Chris Moxley will yell at me. I know Nate Marquise will almost definitely yell at me when he listens to this. He I don't will. care. I don't care. I don't care. I think there is a decent chance like a 30 plus percent chance that Medier outscores Wiley this year because I think he can do some chunk play stuff and I don't think Wiley is really capable of doing that Wiley will get some red zone targets from what I've heard Medier is pretty darn good in the red zone as well it really 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 wouldn't shock me if by the end of the year we get down to the end of this and Medier has outperformed Wiley because like Wiley has been this like uber productive tight end anyway he's been fine he's been kind of worse than fine I mean, last year he was the tight end 43 in points per game. He averaged 7.6. I don't even really want to start there that. Yeah. You know, like, so, do we think Medier can't put up 7.6 fantasy points per game? That wouldn't really shock me. They lose Medi- Alec. P- I will say Medier feels like the classic, he's better in best ball kind of guy. Because I don't think you'll know the weeks where he necessarily right. will break like a 50 yarder, but I think he'll do it multiple times this year. I just yeah. think he will. Yeah, and, and Alec Pierce isn't there at wide receiver. They don't really have a go-to guy anymore. Um, but So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me, like you said, if they you know do a little bit more stuff with the tight end. And Josh Wiley's just very limited. And I think Medier gives them a higher ceiling. Now, you know, I, like you said, it's, he's going to be better in best ball. He's not going to be somebody you're going to want to start each week. You know, and honestly, he might be a guy that, People draft at the end of their supplementals and then, you know, week four or five hits and he hasn't done anything and then they drop him for a pickup. And then that's when he's going to have his, you know, five for 50 and two touchdown game. You know, that's what you're going to that. That's the type of game that he's going to have there as soon as somebody drops him. That's just the it, way that's going to go. It's never going to be a high volume. No, 
pass attack. I mean, they it's the same play caller as last year. Last year, they they were 123rd in the country in plays per game, 61.6. Like, not only are they just not running any plays, but they also run at, at the ball a decent amount to it at a decent clip. And the offensive line allows them to do that. So, um, yeah, like, I just don't like there's no there. There is not going to be like he's not going to be averaging seven targets a game. No, he's going to be in two, three, four targets a game for the most part. But so is Josh Wiley. And again, I just think his athletic upside allows him to break one a little more. So I don't care. I don't care. I'm prepared. I'm I, I'm not even logging into Slack tomorrow. I'm just not going to check it because um, I know it's coming. Um, I think that kind of covers it for Cincy. Let's head on to the next team here in alphabetical order again. East Carolina. Not really much to talk about a quarterback here. Holton Allers, like he's the guy. There's there's not much to discuss here. He's not really a Devi asset. There there was a thought that maybe he could be after his first or second year there, but his mechanics are crap. Like he's been really up or down. He's inconsistent. I don't know if he has a huge arm. Um, Mason Garcia behind him, he looked absolutely awful the one time we've seen him. Um, but Allers is going to be the guy. So if you're in a deeper league and you need just a guy that's going to start week in week out, go get Holton Allers. Um, running back, I think is an interesting backfield because they did add Kamaro Edmonds. I don't expect him to do much this year. He needs to probably get his body in check, but they do have Keaton Mitchell there and they do have Raji Harris. Both of those guys got uh, decent touches last year. Mitchell, much more explosive. Um, are you a big Keaton Mitchell guy, Colin? As I have uh, legally, I have to say this. Uh, we did litigate this, um, uh, a dirty Mike, uh, Mike Valerie. Um, Keaton Mitchell is the G5 version of Devin Aching. Mike's quote. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that quote. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a, not a big Mitchell guy. Like, I don't think there's any Devi potential there, but you know, CFF. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he had some, he had some huge weeks there. Um, you know, it was, it was a little bit more boomer bust, but yeah, he, he had some huge weeks. He would pop off for a huge gain and you know then you go over 100 yards um he finished last year's the uh running back 30 uh 17.4 points per game um uh, that's that's solid you know that's somebody that you're you're gonna want to start uh, especially as they get into you know a little bit of the weaker part of their schedule um yeah i mean i i'm i'm fine with mitchell uh, i think i'm i'm fading raji harris though this year you know they, they said they brought in kamaro Edmonds. i gotta get his body right first but, uh, you know, I don't think Raji Harris is that much better than Kamaro Edmonds. Um, and then they also brought in a guy that I liked in Marlon Gunn. Now, I think he's probably going to end up being irrelevant now. But, you know, he might steal some carries here and there. So those three guys are all more in a similar role where Keaton Mitchell is is the lightning to whoever's thunder. So he has that role pretty locked up. So, yeah, I, li- I, like, uh, I like Mitchell. I have looked for it. I can't find the show sheet from last year. And one of our, um, uh, what's it called? The the, um, the the hell is our morning show in season? Oh, um, tailgate, tailgate. Thank you. Good lord. Uh, another one that we had first um, on our tailgate show last year. I did the research after like seven weeks or eight weeks. Like basically, Keaton Mitchell thrives against run defenses that give up a lot of explosive plays. But if it's a defense that's a little more sound than that, he struggles. Like, he thrives on the big play. If he can't hit the home run at least once in the game, 
he's not going to do a ton for you. Now, luckily for East Carolina, they play an AAC schedule. It's not particularly strong. You get a lot of those defenses, um, but just something to note with him that he's a guy like if I'm if he's got a tough matchup, I'm probably not playing Keaton Mitchell this week. So I'm slightly off of him for C2C just because I think the Debbie upside is very minimal. And I think while you do know the matchups, you can play him ahead of time, which is worth something. He is sort of matchup dependent. I kind of am leaning a little bit more towards um, some things that, you know, Chris Moxley, Moxley has said where I think he used Marquez Cooper as the example, but like you knew what weeks to start him. So yeah, Keaton Mitchell averaged 17 fantasy points per game, but on the weeks where you wanted to start him, you know, you were looking at it like, yeah, I'm going to start Keaton Mitchell this week. Cause it's a, running defense it lets up a lot of explosive plays he's probably getting over 20 for you and i think there is definitely value in that now i think there are some people out there um mike who are propping up his devi value a little bit more than they probably should as a like 180 pound g5 running back so i am lower on him than some but i'm not out on mitchell uh, you know I, I definitely like the ability to know when to start him remember the last uh tiny uh g5 running back like that didn't he come from ecu to dre archer um wasn't ecu oh kent state kent yeah, state it was yeah. kent state i was yeah. thinking ecu but yeah i mean those undersized g5 guys don't uh chris johnson is basically the only one he was still <laughs> yeah. like 200 pounds like yeah. he was not 180 um so um, I think it's a tough sell for me. A wide receiver, Josiah Hatfield's kind of interesting. Our RCFF team has him pegged as the top guy. That's kind of the assumption I've been making since the two guys ahead of him are both probably gone. I mean, we don't know what's happening with CJ Johnson. He's been suspended indefinitely. Yeah. There's been zero word as to whether he'll be back or not. I'm operating under the assumption that he's gone. Plus Sneed and Omotosho both left as well. Um, so I, I Hadfield's kind of a guy that's interesting to me, but he's like a 45th round kind of like I just throw him on my bench if I if I really need another wide receiver to round out a team, which I normally don't because um, I draft really, really heavy wide receiver. Um, but Ryan Jones is a pass catcher, I think, is an interesting guy. He's been kind of like one of the uh, there's usually like a pool of like three or four CFF only tight ends every year that I kind of gravitate toward. And I'll just like in almost all my drafts or supplementals or whatever, like I'll just snag one of them or two of them on my team. He's been one of the guys this year. Last year was his first year playing tight end. Uh, had a pretty darn good year. I think he'll have another really nice year this year because they're going to have to throw the ball at some point. He might end up being their most reliable pass catcher, really. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm on the Ryan Jones train there as well. Um, I, I think he might be the most reliable pass catcher there. Transferred from Oklahoma. He was a linebacker, so he made the move to tight end. He's a little bit undersized, so I think he's like 6'3", 2230-ish. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure what the NFL potential is there. But uh, in the meantime, you know, like you said, he's looking like he's going to be the most reliable option there from a weekly basis. And I think that means something because East, East Carolina is an offense that can support a fantasy-relevant receiver. You know, Tyler Sneed was – Solid for you. Unspectacular, but solid. And I think Ryan Jones can do that. And solid, but unspectacular at the tight end position is definitely more valuable. So he's a guy that I've been targeting a lot late in the uh, supplemental drafts because he's available pretty much everywhere. 
Last year, basically his first year playing tight end, 37 catches, 442 yards, five touchdowns. It's a pretty good year for a college tight end. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like him a lot. Uh, definitely a guy that I'm targeting. Uh, not the only guy in this conference that I'm targeting, though. We'll definitely talk about another one later. Uh, let's shift over to Houston, Colin. Um, Clayton Toon, their quarterback, his last year of eligibility. Um, I, you know what you're getting with Clayton Toon. They're going to throw the ball a ton. He's been in the system. He knows it. He's going to be very, very productive. Offers very little on the ground. Um, it's actually interesting. This isn't going to be our talking point. I'm really curious as to who his successor is. I don't even know that that's on the roster for right now, but right now, like we know what we're going to get with Clayton Toon here in this last year, right? Yeah. And we know exactly what we're going to get with Clayton Toon there. I mean, it's the same kind of thing that we've been getting pretty much every year from Clayton Toon. And it's just, just very solid, you know, um, it's a, uh, Dana Holgerson quarterback. So the passing volume is going to be pretty solid there. Um, you know, last year, um, oh, where did he go? I didn't see how many points he added up in the in last year, but you know, he was solid last year. You know, 3,500 yards passing, 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He saw a market improvement in like pretty much every metric, like advanced or just like completion percentage went up by like 10 points. Like it was definitely a career year for him. Um, so yeah, I, I think you brought up a good point that, you know, who's his successor. So I said, it's Dana Holgerson system. You know, they're going to throw the ball well. So I liked Maddox cop, but I haven't heard anything from him. He's a co-op. Um, he's a co-op. Um, yeah, I haven't heard anything from him. So I don't know what, who exactly the successor there is going to be, but in the meantime, yeah. Um, Clayton too, solid option. Yeah, like literally almost nobody even on the on the roster even really threw other passes last year. Um, like it, it's pretty, pretty slim uh, behind him for sure. Uh, but that is definitely something I'll be monitoring like next offseason. Um, is there a guy in the portal? Is there a freshman that comes in there that gets some hype? Because um, I, I can see just, a port, this being a portal destination. It, it feels like it should be. I don't know who it'll be yet, but it, it, it definitely feels like uh, the spot where, where maybe Ty Thompson. There you go, Colin. Maybe. Hey, there'll be um, there'll be Big Twelve next year. I think. I think. I think that's their target, twenty twenty three. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there you go. P five. You're welcome. I just made your night. You can go sleep happy now. Yes, I can. Um, yeah. So that, I mean, that that's pretty much all there's about the quarterback position there. Running back. I think the big story is McCaskill. And before we talk about guys that are actually going to play this year, McCaskill, you know, uh, suffered the knee injury, non-contact in spring practice. They've said that he's not playing this season. Uh, had that really, really big freshman year for them, uh, uh, just short of a thousand yards on the ground, uh, 16 touchdowns and 21 catches, uh, for another, another two touchdowns, like very, very big true freshman year there. Um, do we still buy Alton McCaskill if we have him? Are we are, like, are we selling him if we have him? Like, what are we doing here? I'm not selling McCaskill. Uh, I think his value took a pretty significant hit with that injury, and I think it's only going to decline so if you really wanted to get out like sure you know now is better than mid-season but i'm hanging on to mccaskill he's not the type of guy who's going to leave after three years anyway i don't think you know even with houston moving to the big 12 you know i don't think that he's gonna make the jump early so you know he'll take that medical red shirt this year you know, who knows if he has a COVID year. I don't really know exactly how that's working. So he's got at least three years of eligibility left, maybe even four. Um, 
and he looked really good last year. And I don't see another back on this roster that worries me about his workload moving forward. So yeah, I'm I'm holding um, McCaskill, and I will buy in the middle of the season when people forget about him. Um, maybe I'm I'm a little skittish on him going to a tougher conference now. Um, the big the big thing for me is that they brought Brandon Campbell over from USC, and he follows his running back coach. I think that hurts. I think that hurts. Uh, we're like I, McCaskill, like pretty much took over that backfield down the stretch. Like best case scenario, I don't think he gets that job back to himself, which hurts a lot. As people who, you know, we talked a lot about him last offseason, like invest in Alton McCaskill. We saw a lot of really nice value increase. He was like a fifth or sixth round draft pick and and startups this year to yeah. start out with, uh, and now obviously with the knee injury, uh, not so much. So. Is there a running back that we want for this year? They do have uh, uh, Tajon Henry there. It, it was been on the roster for a while, and then they have Brandon Campbell. Uh, Campbell might be the guy by the end of the year. I'm not sure what it's going to look like day one for them. I mean, I wasn't even really that impressed with Brandon Campbell coming out when he went to USC. He didn't really do much there. Yeah, yes, he follows his running back coach over to Houston. Uh, I I don't know. I, I think McCaskill is a – pretty substantially better running back than Campbell. So Campbell is probably the guy that I would want this year over Henry, but, and, and, you know, maybe McCaskill doesn't get that job back to himself right away, but I think McCaskill is like I said, significantly better than Campbell. And I think it's going to show when they both are healthy at the same time. So I'm not overly worried about that. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a split. I, I really, really do this year. Um, regardless, it's not a position that I'm investing in at the moment. Um, wide receiver, Nathaniel Dell. He basically feels like Calvin Austin all over again. Yep. In terms of a guy that, you know, one year left, going to be really, really good this year. Lead that offense, NFL, fourth, fifth round. That's probably where he's going to go. Maybe he creeps into like the last couple picks of, of day two, but I, I'm just a little skeptical. Keyshawn Carter's still there. He's a fine other option. They actually have a lot of depth there mm-hmm. at the wide receiver position. Cody Jackson transferred there from Oklahoma. Uh, Joseph Manjack transferred there from S- uh, uh, USC. Uh, a couple other guys as well. But the big name is Matthew Golden, one of the better wide receiver recruits they've gotten in quite a long time. A guy that we all really like here at Campus to Canton. Probably starts off the year as like the third guy or like a rotational guy. But I really do think by the end of the year, uh, he can be – the second guy for them. He he won't take over that job. I still think Nathaniel Dell is too important to that offense for 2022, but I do think he can eventually bump up to being the second guy there. If spring reports seem to, to indicate that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's nobody's questioning. This is Nathaniel Dell's offense this year. You know, it's especially with the running back position, which we spent some time on, uh, you know, it, the offense is going to run through Dell, but I'm with you. I do think Matthew golden is, a better prospect as a wide receiver than I would have expected Houston to get. I would have expected him to go somewhere better, you know, somewhere P five now. Now, yes, they're, Shit. Like they're, go to Texas. Yeah. He wants to stay close to home. Cause that's where he's, he's from the Texas area there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that he brings a very different skill set than Dell. Uh, so, you know, you could get him on the field early this year. And he's going to have a couple games where he'll pop towards the end of the year, I think. And then he's people are going to see, oh, he's the next guy up at uh, Houston in a Dana Holgerson offense. So he's going to put up some nice numbers. You know, they um, according to the CFF guy that we have, which, you know, 
great work in there. You check, definitely check that out. Get a lot of the info that we've been talking about here, but they are their 20th in neutral game pass script in the country. They're going to throw the ball. So yeah, Matthew Golden for three years of that minimum. And I think there's some NFL potential there as well. Yeah. I don't really care that he's G five for the first year. I think it's actually irrelevant to my um, analysis of him moving forward. Um, Tight ends. It's not necessarily a position that I'm, that I'm targeting at all there. Um, Memphis next on the list here, Colin. Um, I mean, there, if there was a quarterback battle, that answer was given to us earlier this off season when Grant Cannell transferred out to North Texas, uh, leaving just Seth Hennigan behind kind of got a little lucky last year with, uh, the injury to, to Cannell took over that job, uh, freshman and never looked back. Um, the offense was pretty productive. The, the team itself only finished 500. Um, they run a pretty good amount of plays. Um, they run the ball fairly effectively. Um, it, it's a very, very interesting roster. But Hennigan, like, is there a second year kind of step up for him? I actually think people might be a little disappointed in him. He feels in this, like, because I know Slovis kind of had the shoulder injury and that also contributed to his. But like Hennigan feels like the kind of guy based on his skill set that like we basically last year is what he is, is kind of my opinion of him. I am a lot lower on him as a de- and as like a legit Debbie option. than I think a lot of people are uh, for that reason. Like, I just think there's not much mobile upside there. There's not much rushing upside and there's no real strong tool there. I think it's just so hard to succeed like that as a quarterback nowadays. Yeah. I don't really see a lot of Debbie potential there either with him. Um, like you said, I, I think he just doesn't really have the, the skill set to be an NFL quarterback or at least not at a starting NFL quarterback, you know, maybe it could be a long-term backup, but I don't really care all that much about that for C2C because I think he's going to be really solid this year. I think it's going to be more of a pass heavy um, offense this year. You know, last year they were 24th in neutral game pass script. Uh, They do bring in a different offensive coordinator, but you know, everything's pointing to them being a little bit more pass heavy again so I think he's going to have some really nice weeks for you. Um, the guy, the other guy that I'm intrigued by is the uh, freshman that they brought in, Tevin Carter, um, who's going to be behind Hennigan, you know, and Hennigan was a freshman last year. So it kind of sucks, but Tevin Carter reportedly looked really good and he's got some mobility to him too. So I don't know exactly what that looks like. You know, it's going to be hard to unseat Hennigan if he has another really solid year, but you know, if he struggles, Tevin Carter could step in. Uh, I don't know that he'll struggle. Like, it's not a tough conference. Just I don't think he'll get any better. Like, I think people projecting him and saying, like, he was this good as a freshman. Um, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, I just don't see a lot of, of, of upgrade there. Running back, I think, is really interesting for this team. We liked Brandon Thomas a lot last year. He broke out kind of early in the year. We really hyped him as a, a big um you know go out and get him on waivers kind of guy um injury at the end of the year it sounds like he is going to be back but that backfield is a lot more crowded this year than it was last year <laughs> they they added in ducker jevian ducker coming over from um uh, northern illinois they have asa martin there who i think they kind of were already getting a little bit involved like it's a very crowded backfield i'm actually not sure that i really want any of these tight ends or any of these running backs at this point, or at least I'm certainly not going out and, and really heavily targeting them, even though I do really like Ducker as a talent. 
a little undersized. And now that he's not going to have in this backfield to himself, I don't know that I really, really want him that much. Man, I, I haven't seen anything about Thomas. So I'm, you know, I'm not doubting that you, you know, saw something somewhere that he might. Yeah. Someone back, posted but... something in our discord a few weeks back that they're, they're saying that they expect him back. So. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I haven't seen anything from him. Um, so I, I don't know what to do with him. He's the one guy right now. I just, I have no idea what to do with him. If he's not back though, I definitely want Ducker. If he is back, Thomas would be the guy that I want, but I don't know how much I want. Cause like you said, I think it might be a little bit more of a committee. Um, so I, this is a backfield that I'm, I'm struggling to figure out what to do with until we hear something a little bit more definitive on Brandon Thomas. Um, yeah, so none, none of the backs are really interesting to me right now. Wide receiver, it is really, really interesting to see who is going to end up taking over for Calvin Austin as kind of the alpha there. I know Ivory, Javon Ivory, was their second leading wide receiver last year. He's the guy that our CFF team has pegged to take it over. Um, but they've also kind of planted a flag on Eddie Lewis as a, a sneaky option. Um, going to be in the slot this year for them. So I... I don't know that we get a guy that is as productive as Calvin Austin, but in late in, 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 in drafts this year, C2C drafts, or even CFF drafts, if you're just kind of looking for another guy and, and one of those two is there, I think you could do a lot worse. I just wouldn't expect them. Like they're the kind of guy that if you have some waivers, you might be dropping them by like week five. Yeah. I, I mean, last year we knew exactly what Calvin Austin was going to do in this offense. You know, there was not really any question about that. This year, Javon Ivory was the second leading receiver from last year, but, you know, is he really, he's not the type of talent that Calvin Austin was. Like you said, Eddie Lewis is going to be in the slot again, not really the same type of talent. I think this is just going to be a more, the the passing offense is going to distribute more. So I don't know if we're going to want to, I don't know if I'm going to want to start either of them. They're guys that I have been watch listing. I have not pulled the trigger on any drafts yet. Um, same these. Um, actually, I, I'm just kind of avoiding it. And I know in the spaces where there's uncertainty, that's kind of where you can, you know, hit a home run, but it's just I'll pick my spot elsewhere. Um, tight end, I'm not certain. Sean Dykes leaves. I, it's been a valuable position there for them. I'm just not sure, um, there that I'm necessarily targeting that. I think there are, there are other situations a little more certain. So, yeah. um, Navy. Okay. SMU is next <laughs> up here. Um, Not to shit on Navy too much, but there's nobody there that you want. They were an a, eight, 8% neutral game script pass rate last year. I, I could have been ruder. About <laughs> I feel like that was about as tame as I could have been. Um, SMU new head coach, Rhett Lashley. It's certainly not a downgrade from from a former head coach there. It's still an offensive heavy guy. You know, the guy that that really kind of developed Tyler Van Dyke or helped to do that last year at Miami. Um, quarterback, Mordecai versus Stone has kind of been the the uh, the battle all offseason. Mordecai, the returning starter, was QB nine last year. Um, some mobility, some, some threat on the ground. And obviously they just pass the ball an absolute shit ton. Um, but stone is very, very good at the time that he committed. He was the highest rated recruit in SMU history. I 
don't remember if he still is. They might have hit somebody slightly higher than him, but he's a local kid. His family knows Brett Lashley, like their family friends. Like there's a lot of smoke there that this is a close battle. I don't know if it is, and I don't care if it is for Stone because I still don't think his price has the fact that he could win the job. And even if he doesn't, he's going to be really good next year. Like I don't think it's accounting for that. It's just accounting for him as a a upside backup. I don't I don't think that's pricey enough. I I would take him over like eighty percent of college starters in a C two C startup today. In fact, I did do it about a week. Whoa, ago. yeah. Um, no, I actually I don't disagree with you. And you know I was hyping up the Tanner Mordecai Mordecai train last year. You know that was probably one of my bigger hits on the year. Um, at least Some would say only. Yeah at least in terms of CFF production. Um, and it's going to be really tough for Stone to unseat Mordecai, just given what he did last year. Now, like you said, the connection that Stone has with Lashley does make it really interesting. And I think it is a legitimate battle. But I do think Mordecai will end up coming away starting this year. And then you're just going to have to wait an extra year on Preston Stone. But I think he's going to be really good when he does take over there. And, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I think you could do a lot worse in Preston Stone. I don't know if I'd say take him over 80% of starting quarterbacks in college, but there's a lot that I would take him over. I have him fairly high. I believe he's in like the 30s in my quarterback ranking. Yeah, he's he's bumped up. He keeps kind of e- eking up a little bit. In my pure C2C rankings now, he's at QB... Uh, 29 right along with like rising clay millen um mordecai's 32 um like they're all kind of in and arranged here this because i don't think mordecai has real nfl upside and i think stone if he comes out like if if he goes crazy this year i think that helps him if he doesn't but comes out the following year and goes really crazy then i think that that helps him too like i don't think the nfl will necessarily care um that he sat for a little bit there um so I, I like Stone a lot. I think uh, he's definitely worth a buy. Like I got him in the 14th round. He was my QB two. If he doesn't start this year, I'm fine with it. I actually, I ended up getting Tanner Mordecai like 15 rounds later unintentionally. So, um, wow, 15 rounds later. Yeah, it sounds about right. I have to yeah. look, but uh, yeah, like late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's kept sitting there. I was like, I guess I have to take him eventually and just lock up this quarterback battle for sure. Um, running back. Ulysses Bentley was the guy last year. He's gone. He's an old miss now. Um, Kamar Wheaton comes in, former five-star guy, a guy that we did not like last year. We we right. told you do not take Kamar Wheaton in your freshman drafts. I hope you folks listen to us. He does see a little bit of a bump back up in stock here because he was going never going to play at Bama, and now obviously he is going to play at SMU, uh, back closer to home. He's a Texas kid. Um I'm still not feeling that great about Kamar Wheaton. I, I I see him get bumped up into like that that sixth, seventh, eighth round in, in drafts nowadays. He's very fast and he's very athletic, but as a running back, I think he leaves a lot to be desired. And I think there are a very strong rumors that he doesn't really care about football. I think when you put those two things together, that makes it a really hard sell for me. When I think you can find comparable, you know. G5 producers, other places. Yeah, I think the appealing thing for him is, you know, he redshirted last year, so he has four full years of eligibility. And Trey Siggers is there, so I think Trey Siggers will be the starter in name, but I do think Kamar Wheaton's going to be involved. 
but he is last year. He was more athlete than running back. We haven't seen him, but I would imagine it's probably still along the same case. So yeah, he's got that recruiting pedigree he came from Bama, but I am lower on him than a lot of people, the people in the community. I'm not like out on him or anything. I think that there is definitely some value there as a CFF producer. Don't know what it's going to be for the pros, but Trey Siggers, I believe is gone after this year. So after this year, he'll probably have the backfield to himself. I think that's worth something. There's not a lot else there behind those two guys. So Wheaton and Siggers, no. I, I don't necessarily want Siggers on my roster, but I don't know if I want Wheaton either. Um, wide receiver, they lose a couple guys there. They lose Danny Gray. They lose Reggie Roberson. Rasheed Rice was the third wide receiver there. Second, it depends on how you look at it. They, they, Those three guys are fairly interchangeable. Rice is kind of the returning guy. They do bring in Bo Corrales from UNC. His kind of was kind of like the third guy there. And then they have Dylan, Dylan Goffney as well, who I think is really interesting, uh, a second-year guy there for SMU. Um, I can't, in good conscience, buy Bo Corrales. He just feels like a very steady wide receiver three on a team. But I don't know that he has the ability to become more than that. He's kind of just like a guy that plays on the right side of the field. He can win a little bit deep, but he's not super dynamic with the ball in his hands. Like I, I, he's just not a guy that I love, but he is a bigger receiver there for them. Yeah. He's a body. Like you said, I think he's fine as a wide receiver three on there. Maybe even have, you know, he can fill a wide receiver two role, although that's not really what you want him to play. Rasheed Rice is going to be the guy and, Yes, Sonny Dykes is out, Rhett Lashley's in, but they're very, very similar offenses. Rhett Lashley was under, uh, he coached under Dykes for two years before he went over to Miami. Um, you know, now he comes back as his own head coach, but you're, this offense is going to be very similar to the Sonny Dykes offense. And Rhett Lashley has produced some nice wide receiver one numbers. So I like Rasheed Rice a lot. And then as a guy moving forward, I do like Goffney. I think he can be Rasheed Rice's replacement next year. And I think he'll probably be a wide receiver too this year. I think he'll jump Bo Corrales at some point. I just think he's more talented. So you could get some value for him this year. So Dylan Goffney is a guy that I think is not being talked about quite enough. I know our, our Mike Valerie uh, at FF Dirty Mike um, likes him. I'm you got to get one right, right? I'm pretty ambivalent on him. But somebody's going to have to catch passes there. Like that's just a fact of life. Um, so we'll see uh, after this year if he ends up stepping up as that guy or not. Uh, they do lose Grant Calcaterra, and I'm not sure if the tight end position is really a guy that I'm going to target in this offense. Um, they do have some options there. Nolan Matthews, who's just like an enormous human being, and then RJ Maryland's an interesting guy as well. Uh, Dad's a former NFL guy, um, fairly, fairly athletic uh, there at the tight end position. So nobody that I really have to roster anything, but they're they're interesting options for you. Um temple not a lot to say here this team's been a dumpster fire i think really the only thing to note dewan mathis who's kind of been it was their quarterback last year uh former elite of georgia uh rushing threat um but just really just has never developed as a passer he's he's just straight up not good um they have quincy patterson coming in um moderately interesting coming in from what uh, north dakota state um Big, he's like basically Dewan Mathis, but from FCS. Like I, <laughs> I don't really know what else to say. Um, 
it's all the same. But I do think there's a there's a legit chance that he takes the job at some point this year if, if Mathis continues to struggle. Yeah, I, Matthews or Mathis is just I, I don't think he's a quarterback. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me to see Quincy Patterson get a chance there. And, you know, he's a dual threat guy. He could bring some fantasy value to you. I don't really think there's anything NFL wise for either of these guys. But if you're taking a shot on one of them late, uh, be Quincy Patterson. But I don't have the either of these guys rostered anywhere. Nor do I plan to. No, uh, it's like a super, super deep shot in the dark. And I don't care about any of the running backs. I don't care about any of the wide receivers uh, on a 45 man roster. I don't think any of them are intriguing at this point. Maybe this offense steps up a little bit and someone becomes important. I, that's a waiver move I'll make. And even then, I don't think I would want to do that. But yeah, I agree. Knows? I mean, Texas A&M transfer Darvin Hubbard would be the only guy that I would even put on a watch list. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, not great there at all. Um, just, I, I think it's just avoid, avoid, avoid. Um, Tulane, Colin. Um, the Green Wave. One of the best mascots oh, yeah. in all of college football here. Um, they were not good last year. Um, they We thought they might be in that opening <laughs> game against Oklahoma. And then uh, it kind of wheels fell off. I'm interested to see, you know, Pratt's their quarterback. Was promising as a freshman. Last year didn't really take a step. Uh, he's a guy that's dropped pretty heavily in my rankings through this offseason. If he doesn't pick it up this year, I, mean, I don't think he's necessarily going to get benched, but like, I, there's a little hope left. And if he doesn't improve at all this year, it's just all completely gone. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know. Really, I don't really think there's any NFL future there at all. Um, but I could see some CFF value, especially with the um, new hire at offensive coordinator. You know, they're bringing in a guy who was at the Division II level, but he ran a fast-paced offense. You know, if, if it clicks, awesome. You know, Michael Pratt could produce some some fantasy-relevant weeks for you there. But that's about all I got on him. Well, then. Um, yeah, I, I don't really care about him. And I, this is actually an offense that I don't know I'm that interested in, except for one guy. You know, the running backs, Spears is back. Cameron Carroll, Ashad Clayton, a guy that we all really liked coming out of high school, blew out his knee late in his career, had to go up to Colorado. Like he had like LSU, Bama, Tennessee, like he had big offers, knee injury, sent him to Colorado, didn't do much there for two years. He's back home now. He's interesting, but like not interesting enough that I think he starts or that I necessarily want to roster him. And this, it's just kind of a backfield of, of grossness. And I think uh, Spears was their highest rated running back last year in terms of fantasy finishing. He was RB 54. It's not a lot of position that presents a lot of upside, so I'm not targeting it. Wide receiver kind of feels the same way. I, it's a bunch of names, and I don't know that I want any of these guys. Is, is there anybody at the wide, running back or wide receiver position, Colin, that you're thinking that that maybe you would take on? Fat Watts. <laughs> yeah. I would, no, um, I don't actually want Fat Watts. I just love the name. Um, no, there's nobody here that I would want. Cool. Um the one guy that I do want, though, is Tyrick James, tight end. Uh, a, a big target for me uh, here this offseason, uh, especially because I had a lot of teams with Dulcich slash um, uh, Nevada kid. Turner. Thank you. Uh, last year. So I, I'm kind of replacing two of these guys. Um, their new offensive coordinator uh, plays really, really fast-paced. He uses the tight end a lot. Um, 
James is, is pretty big, pretty athletic. I think there's a chance there that he really just blows the door off of any ADP that he's got. I like him a lot. I, I really, really do. If I don't get like the Trig Bowers um, mare group of tight ends, I just wait for forever. And he's a guy that I like to to scoop up there. He's kind of a CFF producer for this year. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I have Tyrick James on a couple of rosters. I had him a, a couple of places last year. Now, they were deeper leagues um, than the one that I have him in. It's a 24 team. Another one I have him is a 20 team. But, you know, he was fine last year. He was tight end 30, average 9.5 points per game, better than Josh Wiley. Um, but, uh, yeah, absolutely. The, the value this year is in the new offensive coordinator who, you know, they like to use the tight end position. They're going to play faster. There's not really any receivers of consequence here. I think the passing game could not not run through him. I don't think he's going to lead them in receiving all these receiving categories, but I think for a tight end, he's going to have some really nice CFF production this year. I like Tyler James. Yeah, I, him and him and Jones are two of the the you know the three or four the pull of three or four that I talked about that I that I take and uh, I'll talk about the other guys as we get there across the offseason. We've got some weeks here. We got time. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, Tulsa. Um, an average team is not really a team that you think of as like anybody that I, you know, I, I'm, I'm high key targeting Davis Brins, their quarterback um, was not really fantasy relevant last year. They don't pass the ball a ton. Um, I, I don't really have anything to say about the quarterback position and the running back position is kind of gross. They, they have to replace Shamari Brooks. I, I mean, there's no Debbie upside here. There's probably no CFF upside here. Again, this is probably a, a, a depth chart What, where you just skip it. Uh, do you feel differently? No, I, I agree. The only person that I would even put on a watch list is Keelan Stokes, but I don't even feel that great about Stokes. I, you know, I don't know what this offense is going to look like. Last year, they were 89th in neutral game pass script. You know, they're not a fast-paced team. Um, and they bring in a an offensive line coach as their offensive coordinator. So not a super inspiring hire there. I mean, there's not really anybody that I'm super interested in here. Braylon Braxton is a athletic QB from last year's class that, you know, when Davis Brin moves on, maybe he steps over and provides some like fantasy value with his legs, but not a guy that I want to roster a guy that I would maybe look at as an end of season pickup for next year. Maybe the only guy that I think like is kind of interesting is Keon Stokes, just cause he's been there and done it before. He's had some decent fantasy seasons. Um, but like, I don't even know if this offense is going to have enough volume or, he, you know, to have enough targets for him really. And he was, I believe injured last year. Uh, he's like a sixth or seventh year guy at this point. He's been around for forever. Um, so uh, moral of the story is you're probably fading Tulane except for Tyreek James, and you're probably fading Tulsa completely, more or less. <laughs> um, UCF. Interesting team here. Uh, Malzahn there last year were, were kind of up and down. Um, they're another team going to the Big 12. Dylan Gabriel, gone, was injured most of last year anyway. Do we Are we finally just believing this is going to be the John Reese Plumley show at quarterback? He transferred over from Ole Miss. They didn't really trust him to be a quarterback, but Malzahn famously doesn't want a quarterback a quarterback. So this seems like a match potentially made in heaven. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely the upside guy. So if you're going to take somebody, yeah, I think it's it's Reese Plumley. I'm still not really convinced that he's 
an actual quarterback, like you said. So I'm not completely giving up hope on Mikey Keene here, the incumbent, who, you know, who was, he was fine last year. You know, he was okay. Um, he didn't really provide much CFF value for you though, because he doesn't really run that much and it's not really a pass heavy offense. Um, so if you're looking for somebody CFF wise, it's, it's definitely John Reese Plumley. Yeah, and he looked decent in spring, supposedly. Um, you know, I, I still think it'll it'll be a fight with Keen, but um, I think he ends up getting it. I do, um, and I've I've actually been drafting him fairly late in drafts. Like he's the guy that like maybe I'm cutting him by week four, but if I'm not, then I could be starting him weekly because he just has yeah. a ton of rushing upside. He's a very very good athlete. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was playing wide receiver last year for Ole Miss. Yeah. Not well, but he was doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Does it not because of his lack of athletic ability? No, he just sucks as a wide receiver. <laughs> so if he's not playing quarterback, he's worthless. Um, plays baseball too, but I, I don't know if he's doing that anymore either. Um, Bowser is the interesting one. He was a guy that I really liked targeting late last year, and he was a, a waiver pickup for me in a couple leagues uh, early in the season. He was just getting a ton of carries. Like I think he had to go like a four or five touchdown game. Like he, and then he got injured, kind of came back, but was never really a hundred percent in his stead. Johnny Richardson was okay though. So I'm wondering if he takes that backfield completely again, or if, if his touches go down a little bit, if they don't, then I think he's got some really nice upside, but I'm, I'm skeptical that he fully takes that backfield back for himself. Unfortunately. Yeah, I'm with you there. I don't, think that he's going to come back to the 30 plus carries a game that he was getting at times. Um, I think, you know, Johnny Richardson showed enough that he'll get some work. Um, Jordan McDonald uh, is a guy that comes in as a freshman who I think is pretty solid. You know, Xavier Townsend is a guy who comes in as a freshman. I think he's solid as well, though, obviously very different role there, but you know, and then they also brought in Demarcus Bowman. So there's a lot more bodies in that backfield now this year, just even beyond Johnny Richardson that uh, Bowser is going to have to compete with for carries. I think he will lead that backfield. I think there will definitely be weeks where you will want to start him, but it's not going to be the same as it was last year when he was healthy. Um, and just one other note, Jordan McDonald is a fun guy to stash. Uh, yeah. freshman running back there kind of a, a big bruiser um i think he'll do well there in the future uh, but i'm not expecting anything from him here this season um the receivers you know ryan o'keefe led them last year he's kind of a ppr darling but there's there i don't there's no real upside here in my opinion uh in in terms of debbie um the names behind him like it's it's a who's who of guys that have transferred in kobe hudson came in from auburn javon baker came in from alabama via Kentucky for a two second span uh, and Jordan Johnson from, from Notre Dame. I don't really like any of those guys for fantasy or for Debbie upside, like Baker, you know, some of these guys can transfer out of Alabama, but it's not like he did anything there. Johnson wasn't going to class. Like, I think he's a dud. Like, I, I just don't really like any of these guys. No, I don't either. Sorry, Mike, you know, Kobe Hudson, I don't think is going to be a thing. And you know, Ryan O'Keefe, I think, could have some decent weeks, but overall, you know, it's just it's a slower paced team. It's more run heavy. I don't really think I want any wide receivers on this team anyway. You know, and you know, even if there was some sort of CFF potential, but yeah, Devi potential, there's almost none. Tight end, we're not targeting it uh, really at all for UCF. 
uh, last team here, guys, and then we're going to get out of here. USF, South Florida, um, new quarterback this year. Get in the transfer. Jerry Bohannon from Baylor lost that job to Blake Shape in this offseason, and that staff uh, did it the right way and allowed him uh, to exit, find another job. Um, he's got some rushing upside. Like, I don't, Barrel Bohan is not a bad quarterback. He made Tyquan Thornton relevant. He's fine, but he's definitely not as, a, you know, something amazing. Uh, it's a bummer because I had Tim McLean stashed in, in quite a few places last year, who, uh, is basically the worst version of Jerry Bohannon. So, uh, it's at least clear what the coaching staff has in mind for the quarterback position. Uh, are you targeting Jerry Bohannon at all this year? Colin in drafts is like a late quarterback, you know, sixth quarterback on your, on your roster or whatever kind of guy. Yeah, I'm totally fine with him as a back end of the roster type of guy that you can start in some like, start in some spots. Um, but targeting him, no, probably not actively targeting him. I think there's enough guys that are similar profile-wise to Bohannon that, you know, if I miss on Bohannon, I'll just snag another one. Yeah, um, he's kind of in that that huge pool of, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll snag him at the end of drafts. Um Running game is interesting. Mangum kind of led them last year, but they have uh, Brian Bate there as well. He's kind of a you know a, a small, shifty guy. Um, Mangum, I guess the Thunder. It's not like he's an enormous guy. It's I don't think it's anybody that I necessarily want for fantasy, though. Right? No, it's not really anybody that I want for fantasy there either. Um, I mean, if if you're going to take somebody there, it is Mangum. I mean, he might have some weeks where he's startable, but. It's nobody that, again, it's a very replaceable option. Wide receiver, it's an intriguing position on this team. If Bohannon can raise the level of the quarterback play on this team, I think at least one of these guys can be relevant. Um, Chris Moxley has pointed out that Xavier Weaver uh, had, I believe, the most uh, or the highest amount of unrealized fantasy points last year in the country at the wide receiver position, meaning that he was probably open downfield and the quarterbacks couldn't get him the ball. Um, his ADOT's off the charts. It's like 18, 19, something like that. Uh, and he was pretty efficient last year too. So he's an intriguing guy for fantasy purposes if Bohannon can get it together. Jimmy Horn, uh, pretty talented. They liked him a lot last spring as a true freshman. And and it's kind of, I think he's probably going to be in the, the mix there as well. Um, Either of those guys, do you like Colin before we talk about, you know, kind of the transfers behind them and if they're worth anything? Yeah. I mean, I think Z, uh, Weaver is the, is the guy that I would be most interested there. You know, um, he, like you said, most unrealized fantasy points, insane a dot. It's a very similar role to Tyquan Thornton, um, who Jerry Bohannon liked to use last year, you know, Bo, um, Thornton finished just under a thousand yards. He had 10 touchdowns. You know, and he had a 15.3 a dot. So, you know, throwing a ball downfield. If I have to pick one, I'm taking Weaver. Um, but I don't hate Horn. I have Horn in a couple places from last year. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what Bohannon can do with this offense if he can you know, elevate one of these guys. The two guys behind him, though, that I think they, they brought in this offseason. I'm not interested in either, at least right now. Caffrey Brown, uh, Deami Brown's brother, came in from UNC and then, uh, uh, a Joe, a Joe came in from Clemson. Um, a Joe, a Joe is just like this enormous, massive guy that has literally zero clue how to play football. And I don't think we'll ever get to that point with him. Brown at least has a chance. 
but UNC was just awful at wide receiver last year outside of, of downs and he couldn't make a go of it. So I'm not sure if I have that much faith in him here uh, at, at uh, USF. Nope. Those are both roster cloggers. Classic. Yeah. yeah. I actually think I dropped a decent amount of Caffrey Brown this off season uh, to make room for, for guys on rosters. I just, I'm not a believer. Nope. Any final thoughts on USF Colin? Any final thoughts on the AAC before we get out of here? No, um, the AAC, it's it's definitely got some talent there. There's definitely some intriguing pieces, and then there's just also some teams that you want absolutely nothing to do with. There we have it. Um, go get your CFF guide if you haven't yet. $20 available on campusdecanton.com. Check out campusdecanton.com. If you are a member over there, guys, and you haven't checked out the Discord, seriously, do it. It's You go to your membership page on the website. There's a link there. It'll link you up and everything. You'll be all set to go. You have to scroll uh, down a little bit. 430-odd people in the Discord at the moment. Uh, a great group can answer basically any question you'd ever have about anything ever. Um, check out the other podcasts here. The official is now on um, the the feed. Um, if you guys didn't notice, we we added a new uh, member to the family, uh, Jay Barnabas Lee, today. Well, he's been with us for a little bit, but the announcement went out today. So congrats to him. Happy to have him here. Two more announcements to come this week. <gasps> and there might be a whole new content area on the site. So pay attention. Uh-oh. Yeah. I did hear Matthew Barry uh, is leaving ESPN. I can't. And we sponsored his segment. I can't confirm or deny. On the but, um, so um, Joshua Tyler on Twitter. Watch out. Um, so, yeah, pay attention to all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and we're just going to be getting you guys ready for the season here, guys. That's what the next two months basically month and a half or whatever month is going to be about getting you guys ready for the season so be tuning into the youtube page to twitter to to the website to everything until next time guys i'm austin and this is colin have a good one